All right, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to go there in just a minute. And, and I want to chat a little bit. Uh, if you're, again, if you're here and you're a guest, or if you're here and you're going, this Jesus thing is not something I'm so sold on just yet. I'm not much of a religious person. Relax, just hang out. We don't want anything from you. We just want something for you. And, uh, and just so you know, we're not super religious either. And um, you can tell that because he wore a hat while he prayed. And... Um, <laughs> So, uh, so we just, man, we really just want to welcome you. I'm super glad you're here. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited about this morning. We've been in this, well, we just started last week a series on prayer. Um, how we talk to God and how he talks to us. How we speak to him, how he speaks to us. And uh, one of the things we talked about last week, the primary focus of last week is how we approach God. Because usually the issue that we have coming before God to pray, one of the primary issues we have is, is how we approach him. And so sometimes, because we're not sure how to approach him, we just don't. Right? And because if we don't say it right or if we don't have the right things to pray about or if we're not aligned with his will, we're going to really, God's going to be upset with me. And, and if we understand that he is our father, in fact, the Lord's prayer, the context of that, over and over and over again, he says, father. In fact, he starts the prayer with, Father. And we pray to a Father God. And that means this. It means that we pray to God who is able. He's above all things and greater in all things and stronger in all things. But we also pray to a Father who is willing and compassionate and loving. And it's like when my son comes to me and asks me a question. If he says it wrong, I don't say go back and learn English and then come back to me. He's three, y'all. Uh, he, he goes, I need something. And I go, what are you saying? I don't know. What are you saying? Let's walk this through. Show me. Tell me. And I think God does that with us. Sometimes we are, we're not exactly sure how to say it. Sometimes we use the wrong words. But I don't think God looks at us and goes, well, that disqualifies your prayer. I think what he actually does is, and that's why he says, I am your father. I know what you need. So don't get long-winded like those guys. And don't be, try to impress people like those guys. Just pray simply these seven lines, and you're good. Because I'm your father, and I know what you need, and I give good gifts. Come on now. That's good. That should change how we approach God so we can approach him boldly and confidently like Hebrews 4 says. And so today I want to talk, man, I'm really excited about today. I mean, I'm like, I've been pumped all morning. And I had, I had these new like egg things at Starbucks on the way here. Anybody seen those? It's just an egg, like a little thin slice of bacon on top. Like it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm just telling you, it's two little thing of eggs that like, like, Anyways, and uh, so I'm, I'm excited, and um, it was protein, so I'm pumped. But, but I, I don't know about you, but I feel like the world gets a bit noisy at times. Anybody know, life just gets like, it just gets noisy. Like, I feel like at least four times a day, the world is yelling at me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Whether it's because I check Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or any of the other opportunities where you can be socially not social. And, and, and I, like, I'm, those things, they're just yelling. Someone's saying something to me with exclamation points in capital letters and I don't know how to handle it. Or if I turn on the news and there's some dude with an opinion that I need to take and I need to agree with and he's yelling at me because I need, or I show up in church and the pastor ate two eggs and he's yelling. And the world is always yelling at me and I just feel like the world gets noisy. You know what I'm talking about? It's just noisy. And I, I, I was like, Meredith and I, we have two 
children. We got one who's eight months old now, officially eight months old, and he cries. And then we've got a three-year-old, and he cries. And when we get in the car, I'm one of these guys who really wants to turn up the radio and turn up music and play it loud and, and just have a good time. And and, uh, and and Mare, even before we had the kids, Mare would be like, turned it. She wouldn't just turn it down. She would turn it off. No, you would turn it down. I'd be like, babe, just turn it off so it's at the same volume when we turn it back on. Otherwise, I hit play, and I don't know why I can't hear anything. It's confusing. And, and so, so we have, we got two boys, and we got the radio, and, and, and so when Kason's trying to have a conversation, he'll just keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and keep talking until we notice that he's saying something, and then the baby's just going to keep crying because he doesn't know any better, and then the music is loud, and then Mary's checking her Instagram, and then I'm trying to have a conversation with her while the music is playing, and I don't know if you do that, but my first instinct in those moments is to just get louder. Right? You could be in the house, and we can have the Bluetooth speaker on, and we can have the, 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 the Kaysen's cartoon going. And then Kaysen doesn't think his cartoon is complete without his drum. So he's playing his drum. And Gray is making this noise that he always makes, which is really annoying. He's like, eh, eh, eh. And he just doesn't stop doing it. And then, and then Mare's washing the dishes, and, and then I'm trying to have a conversation. And what do I do? I don't turn off the TV. I don't ask Kaysen to be quiet. I don't tell Gray to be quiet because he wouldn't be quiet anyways. I don't tell Mare to stop washing dishes. I go, babe. So yesterday, I was hanging out, and I saw, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Our first instinct is to get louder instead of to shut other things down. Now, I want you to think about this in the context of prayer. You got all these things screaming at you, yelling at you, you're yelling, and then you want God to speak to you. And what you're basically saying is, God, can you yell can you please scream at the top of your lungs because I got some other things going on right now. And sometimes the hardest part of hearing God is telling everything else to shut up. It's telling everything else to be quiet. Sometimes the biggest challenge is not whether or not God is speaking. It's whether or not we will turn everything else down so that we can hear him. And for me, the, one of the big challenges is that it's not always the things out here that are causing all the noise. Sometimes it's what's going on in here. Man, my mind is speaking all the time, man. I don't know how to shut it off. It just keeps, it's not even like the stuff going on out here. It's how I'm processing that, everything that's going on. That picture I saw of that friend whose life is amazing. Have you seen their Instagram? Obviously, everything's perfect for them. And, and, and then I'm freaking out about that. And then I've got this bill that I've got to pay, and it won't stop talking to me. And i got this thing, and it's all in my head, and I'm processing it the wrong way or compartmentalizing it the wrong way or I'm thinking about it the wrong way. And sometimes the noise on the inside is just as loud, if not louder, than everything else that's going on on the outside. And then I find that everything that's going on on the inside and screaming at me at the inside makes its way to the outside, and it's this vicious cycle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all looking at me like, you are crazy. We need to check you in today. And, but the noise that we deal with every day, the noise that goes on around us is so challenging, so difficult, it just, it just disorients us every day, and we want God to speak, and we want him to share, and we want him to say what he needs to say, but there's something about making sure everything else is turned down first, and maybe that's one of the biggest challenges we have as people, is making sure everything else 
is turned down. And I, I, I would just say this. I think Jesus knows that. And I don't mean that in the sense of Jesus knows that for you. I, I mean that in the sense that Jesus experienced that himself. I think if you look through scripture, you find that Jesus dealt with noise. That Jesus knows noise. He understands that there are uh, requests and there are needs and there are things that need to get done. And there is stuff that is happening around you. And there's things going on. That's what Hebrews 4, which we read last week, is talking about. That we, didn't, we don't just approach him boldly and confidently because he's God. We approach him boldly and confidently because he has dealt with the things we dealt with. Those are the verses preceding that verse about coming boldly. Say, hey, he's dealt with the stuff you've dealt with. And he walked through it perfectly. So you can come to him boldly. Not just because you're a child, but because he knows. And not only does he know, he knows how to deal with it. And you watch as Jesus, throughout his life, and it's throughout the, 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 the testimony of, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, as they watched him do life, they saw him do some things that dealt with the noise. Jesus understood noise. He knew all these things were going on. And so Matthew, this former tax collector, right, this guy that you would never go, oh, let's, uh, let's put him as the author of the book of, of the one who came and died and rose again, the Savior of the world. Let's choose a tax collector to do that. This was a guy that was all about money, and he didn't care how he ripped you off or how he hurt you to get it. This was a guy nobody liked, and yet here he is writing about Jesus. Because let me just be really clear about something. This is not a book. This is a collection of books. And if you just make it a book, it loses some of its mystery because the reality, and it's miracle, because the reality is that there is a bunch of authors who all pointed to the same person over thousands of years and said there's one answer. That's what makes this so amazing. It ain't just a book you put on the shelf. It's like taking all of your shelf and putting them all in the same thing and saying let's talk about what all these guys talked about, and that's Jesus. And so here's Matthew, this tax collector, talking about this guy, Jesus, who he watched live. And you see this in Matthew, you see it in Mark, same kind of guy. John, Luke, you see these guys talk about Jesus and watch him live. And what's amazing about Jesus and how he prayed is that it always seemed that every time he prayed, there were things bookending his prayer that were absolutely incredible. Something incredible always bookended his prayer time. Always. If you, you, you just watch as you see things like uh, he feeds the 5,000 and then he goes and prays and then he goes and does more miracles or, or, or walks on water. Or maybe you see him, uh, uh, he, he f- does some miracles and then he goes and prays and then he comes out and chooses his 12 disciples. The decisions he made, the miracles that happened, the teachings he gave, all were bookended by the fact that Jesus went away to pray. So we don't look to Jesus as just this perfect model of of nice things and this is great but we'll never achieve it. We look at him as one that we are trying to become like. And because every decision he made and every situation he walked through was centered on this idea of praying, we must then obviously be those type of people who who would make sure that every situation we walk through, that at the center of it is prayer. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what we find in Matthew chapter 14. We read out of Matthew chapter 14 this idea uh, that Jesus went off to pray. And I'm just going to read this one scripture. I'm not going to bounce around. I'm going to read this one observation from Matthew about Jesus' life. But I'll just tell you, this is found over and over and over again. In fact, Luke says Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. So this is something that happened in Jesus' life on a regular basis. Matthew chapter 14 Verse 22, 
Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Now before you think Jesus was really rude for dismissing the crowd, and before you think he was a jerk for telling everybody to get out, you need to understand what's going on here. He had just found out, Jesus had, he had just found out that John the Baptist, the one who had made the way for him, the one who had talked about his coming, the one who had baptized him, had been executed by the king. So Jesus, in fact, before he feeds the 5,000, it says this, Jesus went away to get alone, to be alone. Check it, verse 13. He was trying to get away. Jesus was. He just got some bad news, and he's trying to get away. And it says he got on the boat, and he got to the other side, and he stepped off the shore, and here's all these people who had heard where he was going, and they followed him. How many of you know Jesus knows noise? He's trying to get away. He's heartbroken. He's busted up because someone he loved, dearly loved, had just been executed. And he's trying to get away so that he could be alone. And the crowds show up, and he gets off the boat. It's like you ever get out of your car at home. You just had a long day, and you get out of the car, and, and, and someone comes to you and goes, hey, you got to get inside. Something just happened. You know what I'm talking about? Or you had a long morning and you get to work and someone comes, if, if your work, if your co-workers meet you outside, you know something's wrong. Right? And they meet you outside and they go, hey man, how are you doing? And they say that really quickly and you say good. And they go, okay, cool, can you come on inside? We've got to talk to you about something. The, the, the reality of it is that Jesus knows the noise of life. So all these people are here. So he feeds these 5,000 people with very little. Performs this miracle. Feeds a bunch of people. You just heard about it. From Shane. He feeds all these people, and now here's his chance. He's gonna dismiss the crowds. He's gonna get rid of them. So he begins to dismiss them. He sends his disciples. He sends his disciples off. In fact, the disciples said to Jesus, hey, we're in the wilderness, and it's getting late, and we need to send people away, or we gotta figure out something. We're in the, why are we in the wilderness? And Jesus goes, You aren't supposed to be in the wilderness. I am. I'm trying to get alone. You get on a boat. I don't care where you go. Just go. And then he begins to dismiss the crowds. Hey, and I don't know how he did this. I don't know. You know, I don't know if he handshake everybody and gave them. I don't know what he did. But somehow, some way, he began to tell everybody, hey, it's time to go. Look, it's past your kid's bedtime. Hey, it's, it's, you need to get eight hours of sleep. You got a long day tomorrow. I know. I'm God. Like, you need to go. And you need to go. And you need to go. And I love you all, but get out of here. Right? And he dismisses. Here's the thing Jesus understood. I think it's very, very clear. Here's the thing Jesus understood. There are always going to be crowds. There's always going to be more things to do, more people to help, more stuff to accomplish, more items on our to-do list, there is always going to be stuff. In fact, Bill Hybels says you're too busy not to pray. Martin Luther used to say, I have such a busy day today, I need to pray for three hours to make sure I get it all done. The reality of it, the enemy wants to make you think you're so busy you shouldn't pray. And what God's reminding you of is, hey man, if you'll give me the first, I'll do the rest. And I will multiply what you give me and I will make your time work better for you than it does for anybody else because you gave me the first of your time. And so here's Jesus going, okay, I need you, just like, seriously, I love you. Get out. He understood there were always going to be more needs. But he also understood this. For him to love people 
the way he needed to love people, for him to, to, to serve people and to heal people the way he needed to serve people and heal people, for him to do for people what he needed to do for them, he needed his father to do for him what only his father could do. In other words, for him to relate to creation, the way he needed to relate to creation, he needed to relate to the creator so that he could make sure he was impressing the world, not the other way around. See, the problem comes, the frustration comes, the pain comes when we allow the world to make an impression on us rather than God. And when God isn't impressing us, then the world does. And the only way we'll ever make the impression on the earth that we're meant to make is when God is making the impression on us that he's meant to make. Are you with me? So for us to relate, to, so, so some of your challenges and some of your issues and some of your problems and some of your hang-ups and some of your stuff, the reason some of those things are there is not because you're a bad person. It's not because uh, you, you, you've got it all twisted. It's not because it's out to get you. The reality of it is, is you've allowed creation to determine who you are rather than the creator to determine who you are. So you're frustrated. You've got a bunch of angst about things. You've got, you're anxious about stuff. You've got an anxiety level that's just through the roof. Why? Because creation has impressed you more than the creator has. And so prayer, prayer is a place where we put everything before God. We said this last week, it's really hard to be arrogant in prayer. It's really hard to be prideful in prayer. That's why some of us make it 10 words into prayer and we quit because we're starting to see ourselves be a little too humble and we ain't liking it very much. Right? It's, it's hard to, to feel like we have all the answers in prayer. The truth is that, that w lack of prayer testifies to our ability, and yet the, the, the pursuit of prayer testifies to his. The willingness to pray is the willingness to say, God, you actually know this better than I do. You can do more than th with this than I can do. When we, when we do not pray, what we're actually saying, whether we mean to or not, we're actually saying, I got this, I can handle this, and we're testifying to our own ability and not his. And so isn't it interesting that Jesus, the Savior of the world, through whom which all things were created, Jesus, Jesus dismissed the crowds. The people he came to save was telling them to get away. Why? So he could get alone with his Father. Like, and if Jesus had to do that, I would just guess that those of us created in his image would also need to do that. That for us to really have the impact on the earth that we want to have, we must be impacted by the one who made us the way we are. You're frustrated not because God isn't for you. You're frustrated not because God doesn't love you. You're frustrated not because God isn't speaking. You're frustrated because the noise level of the world is way higher than the noise level of what God's trying to speak to you. And you've not begun to turn everything else down so you can hear God. There's sometimes God speaks in whispers. And it, matter, it doesn't matter how hard you try to listen. If you've got everything else going, what would happen... What would happen if you and I dismissed distraction daily? What would happen if on a daily basis we dismissed all those things that seem to get in the way of me communing with God? 
Because see, communication leads to communion, and communion leads to union. And union is where God wants us to be. He wants us to be unified with him at such a level that any time we pray, we pray in his name. And any time we pray, we pray aligned with him. So that any time we pray, he gives us what we want. Because when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us new desires. He gives us the desires of our heart. And so here's Jesus withdrawing and dismissing the crowd. Listen, you're always going to have more stuff on your plate. There's always, I don't care. I, I mean, I've checked off. I love to do uh, apps. Like seriously, I got like seven of them. They all got different lists. I'm not even sure which one I'm supposed to be doing right now. But I, I love being able, Meredith knows this. I don't, if you tell me to do something but you don't write it down, sorry. It ain't getting done. I got too much noise. <laughs> so, and I, every time I check one off, I add three. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Every bill I pay, there's two more. I didn't even know I subscribed to that. Somehow along the way I checkmarked something and now I'm paying $72 a month for some kind of dog magazine. Like I don't even know where I got that. Like what is going on? And there's just always, 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 always people vying for your attention. That's why, listen, attention is an act of the will. Your attention is an act of the will. You have to be willing to give your attention to the right things. There is just no, I can't be nice about that one. I can't be like, yo, I'm going to call you every morning at 7 a.m. and say, you better pray. But Jesus knew he had to get alone with his father. So he began to dismiss the crowds. What would happen if we dismissed the crowd? But, but here's the thing, and maybe this is, this is the, the part that really gets down to the real deal, right? Is, is, is for me to dismiss distraction, I have to have, and just go with me on on all these letters being the same, okay? If I, if, for me to dismiss distraction, babe, I have to have decided my devotion. If, if, I, if I, I can dismiss distraction, that's called meditation. It's called Eastern meditation, to empty myself of all things, all right? That's great. But if I have not decided my devotion, meaning what am I fully and completely devoted to, then I will find that those distractions just keep coming and keep coming and keep. And here's what you find with Jesus in Matthew 14. It's what you find everywhere else. He had to hear from his father. This wasn't just a discipline thing. This wasn't just, I just got to do this because that's what people are supposed to do when they love God. That's not, no, he had to know what God was going to say. He had to know who God was. He had to know. And, and you go, well, Jesus, he, like. Aren't they like one and the same, the Trinity thing that no one can fully understand and completely <laughs> explain to me? Like, how does this all work? I don't completely, how does, the, Jesus should already know these things. And that's kind of the point. Jesus found pleasure and joy and strength and desire in going to meet his father. And for him, it was something he had to do. And he wasn't going to allow other things in life to decide his devotion. He wasn't going to allow all the other things to get in the way of him hearing the voice of God. He had one thing he was going to do. And if he had to send some crowds home a bit earlier than they wanted to go home so that he could hear God, he was going to do it. Because he knew in the long run it was going to benefit them that he be alone with God. And for many of us, the impression we want to make on people is not contingent upon whether or not those people will listen, but whether or not we will listen and hear God's voice in everyday life. Because I believe God is speaking. But I find it really hard to dismiss distractions if I've not declared my devotion. If I've not decided what matters most to me. 
If I've not decided this means enough, and, 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 and truly, some of us go, well, I just don't have enough time. I would challenge you, I would really, truly challenge you to chronicle your day, to write it down, everything you do. That half-hour TV show you watched, write that down. That how long you were on Instagram, write that down. How late you got up this morning when you were supposed to be up like 37 minutes before that, write that down. Write down how late you went to bed so you couldn't wake up the next morning. Write that down. Write down the lunch break you took and you talked to that person and said, say bye. No, you say bye. No, you say bye. No, you say bye. No, you say bye. Like, write that. Write down. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. There's a really good chance in there's 15, 20 minutes you could have sat down, turned down the volume on everything else and said, God, speak. God, I'm not, that's just practical. Let's be really practical. There is time in your day. And let me just say, for those of you who are really crazy busy and there really isn't time in your day, go to bed earlier and wake up earlier. I know that's not cool. I hate waking up early. I think it's the worst thing in the world. Like, I think getting up early is terrible. But here's what I will tell you. Ever since, man, I'm, I'm just telling you. My little boy, my little eight-month-old has radically changed my life because, because he doesn't care that I hate waking up early. But, man, he has extended my prayer time because when he wakes up, I wake up. And I could have said, man, I don't, I don't want to get up. I'm going back to bed. You go back to bed. I don't even care if you're crying. I'm going back to bed. No, I, you know what? He got me up early. I'm going to take advantage of this. Jesus knew how important it was. And here's the thing that I find interesting about Jesus, because I've always felt like, and maybe you felt this way, I go to church, I've been to church enough to, to sometimes feel like if I don't pray in the morning, it doesn't count. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You didn't read your Bible and pray in the morning, so it does not count. Anything past 7 a.m., it has lost its anointing. There is no revelation at 8.15 a.m., y'all. There is no biblical truth. In, no, God does not speak. He has a certain time frame, and you better get it right. I think there's some benefit to waking up in the morning, without question. I absolutely believe that. But I just, can I just tell you, Jesus went to pray at nighttime. In fact, this story is him going to pray at nighttime. And then there's other times where he prayed in the morning. And then there are other times we don't have any clue when he went to pray. We just know he went to pray. Here's what is important about what he did. He went to pray. I think he prayed when he was walking down the streets. I think he prayed when he was hanging out with his disciples. I think he prayed before meals because you know you got to be you pray before meals if you're going to be a good Christian. Like pray over that food, y'all, because you know you got to pray to make sure it's healthy because it ain't healthy. You know what I'm talking about? Like God bless this food. No, I can't bless that food. You know what's in that food? I can't bless that food. Listen, but listen. What he did do, he may have prayed all those times, but you know what he also did? He made sure that there was time where nothing else was happening, and he prayed. Yeah. And he prayed. In fact, in Luke it says that he got up and went out, meaning he probably could have just got up and prayed. But it said he went out into the wilderness to pray. It's like Meredith and I in a marriage, if like the only thing we ever did was talk when everybody else was around and when our kids was asking us things and the TV was on, and let me I just tell you something, if that was the only time we ever talked, we would not still be married. But Ten years in, like that ain't a recipe for a good marriage. You know what's good marriage? Sitting down for an hour, at least, at least, when you got two kids, an hour's great, man. Sit down for an hour and just talk to each other and don't talk about them kids. I mean, I don't need to talk about those kids. We talk about those kids enough. Let's just talk about each other. Let's love on each other. Let's just spend time together. 
And that's what builds a healthy relationship is when I look at her and I go, there is absolutely nothing else on the planet that can take me from looking at you, talking to you, and hanging out with you. And I think the same thing with our Father God. There is absolutely nothing else on the planet, nothing, not this crowd that still wants me to heal and wants more bread because they just ain't satisfied yet. And I, they, they, you know what, there's nothing. These guys cannot keep me from getting to my Father. Like, I got to know him. I got to hear his voice. What if you dismissed distraction because you decided what your devotion was going towards and you began to spend enough time with God where he began to speak to your heart? Begin to speak to who you are. Begin to speak about what you were going to do. How important would that be for you and I to make sure that we were speaking to who he is and that he was speaking to who we were? And this discipline thing, I want to make sure. I'm, I don't want to miss this. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about today. Are you excited about this morning? It's good, huh? I, I know it's like the least spiritual thing I can say to you is that time and place matter. But it might be the most spiritual thing you'll ever hear. Set a time, pick a place, and get with God. In fact, that's what Jesus does here in this. He dismisses the crowds, and that's like, but he knows, he just knows that there's people who ain't going to leave. Right? I mean, they walked around while he was sailing across. They walked around and showed up before he ever got there. He was on the short route, and they got there before him, and he stepped off the boat, and there they were. Like, he knows there are some people who just were not going to listen to him when he said, I got to go. You guys need to move on. And so what does he do? It says that he dismissed the crowds, and he went up the mountain to pray. He went up the mountain by himself. He went up the mountain, and here's what I want to tell you. Listen, I I know this about prayer. There's always going to be resistance. Always going to be resistance. I'm just telling you. You you wake up in the morning, you go, I need three more minutes of sleep. Like three more minutes of sleep is actually going to do you good. Can I just tell you something? Scientifically proven, if you wake up, and you wake up, and and then you go, I'm going to take one more hour of sleep. That hour of sleep does you worse than it does good. Like it, it ain't good for you. Like waking up and then going back to sleep for an hour, that just makes you more tired. There you go, that's for you. And uh, <laughs> here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the deal, okay? Now listen to me. There's always going to be resistance to prayer. Always going to be resistance to you getting alone with God. Always. And so Jesus, and I think this is representative here, because he goes up the mountain, and this says this several different places, going up the mountain. He goes up the mountain. L- listen, you've got to find a place where your cell phone signal doesn't work as well, where there's not quite as much noise going on, and where people aren't going to follow you. Okay, where, no, where you can just kind of breathe a bit easier, where the, the air just seems to be a bit more fresh, and where you can get a new perspective on what's going on in your world. And sometimes the only place that will happen is in the place that was going to give you the most resistance. I don't know if you ever climbed a mountain. It ain't always fun. I mean, it's cool looking back every once in a while going, man, this is really high. But it, it was terrible looking up and going, I still got more to climb. Sometimes prayer is you pushing through the resistance and going, I'm getting to a place where I'm going to hear one thing and one thing only, and that's God. If that means you got to leave your phone on your nightstand and go to a different room so you can read your Bible, then do that. If you can't read your YouVersion Bible app without checking a text message and, and looking at your Instagram, then don't read YouVersion. Pick up a real printed Bible on paper and take a pen and begin to underline it. Again, I know these are like practical things, but I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, sometimes we got to order our world so that we can hear heaven. Yeah. 
And so here's Jesus. He goes up the mountain. Where is your mountain? For my grandfather, it was walking along the beach in Newport Beach. He walked that beach all the time. Just walked it. Just, it would always go down. And, and now sometimes he traveled. So he didn't always get to walk that beach, but he, he always had a mountain. Jesus actually went to a mountain. That's what he did. Wilderness. Me, it's a big red chair. I ain't got a beach to walk. It ain't pretty to walk around Texas right now. It's just brown grass and flat stuff. And so I got a big red chair that I've always told Mary we should get rid of, but it's become kind of a cool place for me to go. And I walk in, I sit down in the chair, I open my Bible, and I, that's what I do. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes I walk out of that time and I go to Mary and I go, babe, man, this is, man, this is awesome. Gee, this is if I read. And there's other times where I go, man, I could have just stayed asleep. Let's just be honest. Some of you looking at me like, I cannot believe you just said that. Listen, listen, there are times where just the fact that you would put yourself in a position, just put yourself in a position to hear from God, to let him speak to you. Sometimes just for you to just stop talking for a second. For you to just stop letting the noise determine your devotion. Dismiss the crowds. And there's one word at the very end of this, and this is where I think is probably one of the, the great challenges for so many of us growing up in, in the age that we're growing up in. There's this one word at the very end of that verse where it says he went up the mountain by himself, and when night came, he was there alone. I don't think we like that word. Like, in fact, I just went silent for three seconds, and some of you immediately started reaching for your phone. Like, we, we, just being alone, because here's why, we think alone equals lonely. Those are not the same things. In fact, it is better to be alone with God than lonely in a crowd. And so many of us would rather be around a crowd because it gives us this false sense of being with and yet we're so alone. We're so lonely. And yet you could spend time with God and feel like, man, you are okay. You are good. And no one's around. You could be pumping your fist. You could be smiling. You could be laughing. You could stand up and shout hallelujah, praise God, and wave a towel if you got one. And no one could be around. But there's something about you being with God that changes how you live. And being alone with God is so, so, so important. In fact, Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Look at this translation. I love this translation. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. This psalm is talking about nations fighting. And so what it says here in verse 10 is, Would you just, would you just stop for a second? Would you just quit trying to do this all by yourself? Would you just quit fighting everything by yourself? Would you just quit yelling at this and screaming at that and picking fights with that person and picking fights with this situation? Would you just quit for a second? Would you just be still? Would you just be quiet? Would you just find a place of solitude? Would you just find a place where you are separated from everything else? good and bad, and know that I am God. Could you imagine 
this truth. Just think about this. Is it possible that you have not yet fully known who God was because you have not just been still long enough? Is it possible that you have set a time limit on your moments with God? It's amazing to me how I will set time limits on, okay, I got 15 minutes to pray and read my Bible. And when I get home at night, I don't set those same time limits on the TV I watch. I don't set those same time limits on the radio I listen to. I don't set those same time limits on the hobbies I have. I don't set those same, no, I set some time limits on God. Like, God, you got this long to speak. And if you don't speak in that amount of time, I'm just going to have to go on with my day. Some of you have been late to work because you slept in a little bit longer. Very few, I'd say none of us have been late to work because we spent a little too long with God. And I know that ain't a good excuse. I know your boss would not go, oh, yeah, God was talking, okay. Um, well, um, I don't even know how to write that up. Like, I don't even know what to do about that. I would love for you to walk into work one day and go, yeah, yeah me and God, we're just hanging out. Like, what are they going to do? Like, what are they going to say? Right? But uh, just think about this. Is there a chance, is there a chance that because our life has gotten so busy, because time and place doesn't matter to us the way, we used to, the way it used to, and because we haven't decided our devotion, we've not dismissed distraction the way we need to, and we've not been still long enough to know God. Because God ain't something you can just figure out in five seconds. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to tell you that you better pray for an hour. It doesn't count. Jesus prayed various levels of times. There's some nights where he prayed all night, and there were other times where he prayed for a few minutes. It, I'm not trying to tell you what I'm trying to tell you is please, please, this week, this week, I'm going to invite you into this. And even if you go, I'm not even into this God thing, I'm not even sure. It, listen, if it is real, I think it is. If it is real, it's just, it's probably just important for you to at least a couple times go, hey God, you there? You there? Like, just give it a shot. For many of us, though, listen, the world will never go, yeah, we should be still and listen to God if his church won't do that. Man, I'm telling you, the way you make noise in the world is by being still before God. The way you impress creation is by being impressed by the creator. The way you relate well to creation is by relating well to your creator. You must be still. Find your mountain, where there is no noise, there is no cell phone reception, there is no to-do list, and it's just you and God. Because he's speaking. He's speaking. This is speaking all the time. He's speaking. His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is taking some of these things and going, oh, this one, this one's for you. This one is for you, I'm telling you. If you would just keep reading, don't stop. I know the Bible plan says you're supposed to stop at this verse. Don't stop. Read two more. Come on, just read two more. I got one for you. And don't read a Bible. If it's 12 verses, but you like the third verse and you really like the, then hang out on the third verse. Just stay on the third verse. Until God's done with the third verse, stay on the third verse. Be still. Stop fighting. Stop trying to push through life. Be still long enough that God can speak to you and tell you.
that you were created for a purpose. Tell you who you are in Christ. Tell you that he is your father. Tell you that he will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Tell you where to go next, who to choose next, where to step next. Tell you that you can bring healing into that situation. Tell you that there is light at the end of this tunnel. Tell you that you are salt on the earth. Tell you that you are light in the darkness. Tell you that you are city on a hill. Tell you that you are with him and so be it. You can take courage. Just be still. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that right now, in this place, what you want from us the most is simply our attention. You want our attention. You want us to incline our ear to you. You want us to turn the volume down on everything else. God, so many of us have so, for so long tried to make you scream over the top of the noise in our life. And we're not hearing you, not because you're not speaking, but because we've allowed the voices of other things to become too loud. And maybe we're a bit afraid about what you're going to say. And so we'd rather be, have some noise around so we can act like we didn't quite catch what you said. God, I pray that we would be still because we're praying to God who is able and our Father who is willing. And today in this place, there are people hungry for you. God, I pray that we would be a people who would stay hungry. Jesus, you walked this earth and you did not for a second lose your desire to be in strong, healthy, vibrant relationship with your Father. And you would dismiss crowds and you would climb mountains. You would do whatever it took. You would go out in the middle of the morning, in the early morning when it was still dark. And you would go out into the wilderness and you would pray because you knew there was nobody who would venture in to that place. God, I pray that every one of us would find that place where ain't nobody else coming. No one else is going to show up. This is just for me and God. This is our spot. This is our place. There is nobody allowed here. I'm not putting my phone here. I'm not letting the, the thoughts of this world get here. I'm not allowing the things that are going on around me to affect this moment. I'm dismissing the distractions and I'm declaring my devotion because God, you have a word for me. God, you have something to say to me. God, you have not given up on me. God, you have not stopped talking to me. God, you do want to speak life and hope and faith and peace into my world. You want that. You desire that. In fact, you're already speaking. If we would simply shut out the noise and we would make a place where you and I could speak to each other like a father to a child. Lord, let us be still and know that you are God. This morning, if you're just, you're going, man, I am. I am so desperate. I am so hungry. I am so wanting. If I get really honest with myself, I have treated prayer like a tradition or like some kind of requirement. I have not allowed it to be the thing that reveals to me who my Father is. I've not allowed it to be the thing that shapes me from the inside out. I've not allowed it to be my refuge and my, uh, and my solitude from this world. I've, I've so often treated it as something that doesn't matter that much. But Lord, I've depended on myself and I want to begin to depend on you. And I want to hear your voice and I want to know who you are so that I can know who I am. 
I am and I can discover my voice. And there's people in this room right now who are hungry for prayer to be one of the most amazing, most powerful, most incredible things you do every single day. Because you want to know his voice. If that's you right now, would you just boldness, courage, step out. Would you just right now, would you just raise your hand? You say, you know what? I'm hungry for that. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear him speak. I want to make my devotion known. Thank you. Come on, anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, I think there's a few more who would say, you know what? My, my life, my speaking to God, him speaking to me could be at a much greater level. I, man, I would, I would love it if every morning I woke up and I shut off the noise and I just heard his voice. I could walk into my workplace and I could walk into my relationships with strength, with clarity. Anybody else go, man, I'm hungry to hear God. I'm hungry to hear God. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So good. He wants to speak into your life. Don't ever for a second doubt that. Don't ever for a second doubt that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, we pray right now. And every person here who said, that's me, who's hungry. God, I pray this week, it may not sound spiritual, but this week they'd find their mountain. This week they'd find that place where you speak. The truth is that the only reason we even have the opportunity to speak to you is because you sent your son. And now there's, no, there's none of these requirements that someone goes in this tabernacle and this, there's no one who's speaking for me. There's no one who's, no, I, I get to now speak to you, my God, my Father. Because Jesus paid my price. Jesus gave it all for me. And now I'm looking upon you and you're looking upon me as a father does to a child. And I thank you, God, that you've made a way for me. And I receive that. Would you stand with me? And I want to pray one more prayer. I want you to stand with me. I think there's some people in this place probably that would say, you know what? I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to, I want to hear God speak in my life. I want to know him as a child knows a father. I want, I want to know God the king, the one and only. And then there's some of us who would say, you know what, I, I've had a tough time dismissing distraction because I really, I haven't even really decided my devotion. One of the great challenges we're having is choosing to hear his voice over the other voices that we tend to like a lot. And this morning, I just want us, all of us as a church, to make a declaration. I want all of us, so I just want you to pray with me. In your own words, I want you to pray with me. You don't have to repeat after me, you don't have to do any of that, but in your own words, I want you to say this prayer. God, you're my father. God, you're my king. God, I receive this gift of eternal life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I thank you that it is not the perfection of my words that makes prayer work. I thank you that it's the perfection of your son who died and rose again that makes it even work. God, I thank you that you hear me. And I decide today that you are what I'm devoted to. Lord, above every other thing, above every other thing, I'm devoted to you. Above every other thing, I'm devoted to you. If i got to fast and pray this week, I don't even know what that means. I'm going to figure it out because I want to be hungry for you again. I want to devote myself to you. You are my Lord. You are my God. You are my Savior. And I give everything to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.